Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Bridgetown Podcast and the Van City Podcast. That's right. Thanks, Thanks yeah. for remembering us. Uh, uh, you know, we love you. <laughs> I'm here with uh, the legendary Josh Porter. My name is John Mark Comer. If you have been tracking with our podcast, you know that we're teaching through the Sermon on the Mount. And we just wrapped up a few teachings from the end of chapter 5 where Jesus is dealing with the ideas of nonviolence and enemy love. And it just raises all sorts of questions. So over this week, we're sitting down with a number of of experts on the subject, men and women who have been working out the implications of all that Jesus has to say. And today we have a special guest. I'm not going to lie. I think I've been looking forward to this interview more than any of the others. On the other end of the line, from another continent, we have the one and only Sister Rosemary. Good morning or good evening for you, (laughs) Sister Rosemary. Good evening. Good evening, actually. (laughs) Yes. So it's morning our time. It's a Monday morning. We're recording this after late night church and it's an evening your time. So we're both tired. We're we're waking up with coffee or it balances out. Yeah. You're like heading to bed with hopefully you have tea or something. I don't know. But we're so happy to have you on. So for those of you, those of you listening who don't know Sister Rosemary, she is a legend on her continent and on ours. She is, as you can imagine, Catholic. She's a Catholic nun of the Sisters of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and she mm-hmm. is the head of St. Monica's Girls Tailoring Center in Gulu, Uganda. So up in the north part of Uganda, which is where the LRA, Joseph Kony, was active over a number of years, and she's working in the aftermath of that civil war. And Sister Rosemary, we were introduced through our mutual friend Mike McDonald, and uh, he tells this great story about meeting you, I think, at a bar in northern Uganda, (laughs) with you sitting there with a bunch of nuns at the bar drinking Guinness and Coke, and that was like his opener. That's it, that's right. It was just, from the moment I met you, it was just like, this is a woman after my own heart, and... uh, as you know, he introduced us because my daughter is Ugandan, and so it was such a joy to get to introduce her to you and have you guys spend a little time together. So you're a hero. You uh, are just nice. a, a literally, literally a hero. So um, Sister Rosemary <laughs> has been honored by Time Magazine in 2014 as one of the 100 most influential people in the world. She has been honored by CNN with the Hero of the Year Award. She's received the United Nations Impact Award and a number of others. So um, what you are doing doing is making waves all around the world, Sister Rosemary, and it is an honor to have you on the podcast. Thank you. So I guess to jump in, um, the reason we wanted to have you on, uh, you're brilliant, you have so many good things to say, but you know, for us, when we talk about nonviolence and enemy love, it's kind of a little bit of a hypothetical scenario, and it's easy for us to talk about it from the safety and security of America, from a city like Portland, where, you know, like, other than a little bit of bicycle theft, there's not a lot to be scared <laughs> of. I'm not living, for the most part, under the threat of violence. Of course, there's the hypothetical scenario, the extreme situation, but in my day-to-day life, I don't walk around in fear for my life or for that of my family. But you do. You are living in a a part of the world where violence is not a hypothetical scenario and where your faith is, um, rather than a buffer to violence, often the cause of it. So just tell us a little bit of your story. Would you just start, before we jump in, just tell us about what you're doing in northern Uganda and why it's raising such a ruckus. Tell us what you're doing with these girls. 
Oh, right now we are dealing with actually the aftermath of the conflict, which was in northern Uganda for a long time. And I must say the consequence of the war which was waged by the Lord's Resistance Army. And of course, I take women and children as my focus because I witnessed and I also saw how women have been doubly disadvantaged and also up to today, very few people talk about what these women went through. And I decided to take up and keep on working with these women and make sure that first I give them a voice and second, dignity. And also make these women feel their life can be rebuilt. And I've just come back from Italy where I've been discussing so many things. And one of the things I discussed was about how many times we forget the past. And I've always said the past must never be forgotten, however painful it is. We have to look at it as a bridge. When we build a strong bridge and a good bridge, it has to lead us forward and it has to lead us backwards. When it leads us backwards, we look at what we have done well and we copy that and continue with it for our future. When we look at what we did badly in the past, it helps us to correct in future exactly what we did badly. And that's why, for me, this conflict, which went on for long, has been something to continue looking back and say exactly how it impacted on women negatively. And that's why it has remained always a point of reference. And I keep on talking to these women that their lives can be rebuilt and have witnessed that their life has been rebuilt. I've witnessed many girls after their life being taken away, destroyed, after their dignity taken away from them, robbed from their childhood, they have again been rebuilt and they're walking dignity again. That's absolutely beautiful. And you do that, I love the bridge analogy, it's almost like you won the, you know, most influential person in the world <laughs> award or something. Um, so what you're doing with these girls and women at the school is essentially teaching them job skills as well as help and restoring their dignity in person in order to kind yes. of relaunch them yes. into society. Exactly. But again, I think what is more important here, it's really like showing them that faith is what is leading us to do what we are doing. And of course, it is that faith with which we are not preaching, but practicing. We are witnessing. And for me, I always say, I am preaching the gospel of presence, being wow. present in a very painful situation, accompanying someone whose background you know, being present on a pilgrimage together with these women. The gospel of presence. I absolutely love that. Now, yeah. uh, you have, just before we jump into a story or two, I have to read this. I was, I was looking at this little bio. You have an endorsement from Forrest Whitaker, the actor, which is, I have an endorsement from like a pastor friend before my book. <laughs> you have Forrest Whitaker's. I just want to read it because it does a great job of kind of just summarizing what you are up to and doing. He <laughs> says fine. this, the girls can become themselves again. Thanks to the security mm -hmm. and comfort they feel, a tremendous accomplishment in a country, country still fragile from years of civil war. For go right. girls who were forcibly enlisted as child soldiers, Sister Rosemary has the power to rekindle a bright light in eyes long gone blank. For women with unwanted children born out of conflict, she allows them to become loving mothers at last. The trauma she heals are unfathomable, but the reach of her love is boundless. It's absolutely beautiful. What a, what a witness, to borrow from a New Testament word, to the gospel of Jesus through your life. 
thank you. Okay, and so, yeah. all these things you speak about are things which often time you may think, you may ask yourself, where am I starting from? I always tell people there is no formula. The formula is actually in your heart. There is no professionalism. The professionalism is in your heart. God has put it in your heart. That's where to start from. Wow, it's amazing. Okay, so I'd love um, you to tell us the story, uh, any story you want, but specifically, would you tell us, because again, for you, you're actually living this stuff out. And, you know, when we think about Matthew 5, and Jesus has this whole turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, hand over your cloak as well, give to the one who asks. And in each example, it's like, hey, reject the fight or flight option, the violence or passivism option. And instead, look for a creative, nonviolent, wise, discerning, bold, daring, even self-sacrificial alternative to violence is kind of the idea there. And then at the next teaching, he actually says, go one step further and love your enemy, not just don't kill them or do violence to them, but love them. And again, for us, we're thinking about, you know, workplace, office dynamics or whatever, but you are actually living this out. So would you tell us a story or an example? I'm specifically thinking of the time the LRA took over your compound and like what you were doing in that moment to live out these ideas of Jesus. You know, in order to be able to reach out and do something which other people now look at as extraordinary, you've got to really feel helpless. And that's exactly how I felt. And that's how we all felt in our community, a wow. group of nuns. We were hiding with people in our house, a small house, like almost five hours. And the guns were just going. We could hear bullets everywhere. And after, when I heard gunshots were all silent, I told the sisters, I need to get out. We are very hungry. Maybe we need to see if we can cook something for ourselves. And the sisters all told me, no, 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 please don't go out. I said, no, we are hungry. And I think there's nothing. I need to go out. When I went out, I saw the kitchen was out. The door was halfway opened. And the sisters all got scared. They told me, no, 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 don't go. We d- we had locked the door of that kitchen, and now it is halfway open. There must be a problem. And I told them, I need to find out what the problem is. And I walked right there. I tried to open the door completely, and there was one of the rebels hiding behind the door. And there I, I felt really, really helpless. But I decided to talk to him in a normal way. I asked him, is there any problem? Why are you here? And he answered me back. He said, sister, I am hiding because we have been fighting with the government soldiers. And so my bullets got finished and now I'm hiding here. And I told him, I said, now I'm asking you one favor. Can you go away? Because if soldiers pass by and find me communicating with you, they will consider me a collaborator to the rebels and we will all be killed. Can you move away? The guy decided to go away and I saw him returning after just five minutes. I got more scared because I had not moved anywhere. And he told me, sister, I'm coming back because... First of all, before he went away, actually, I'm cutting the story short, he asked me if I had food or if I had medicine, and I told him, we don't have much. I have just a few pain relief tablets. I gave him Panadol. I gave him some aspirin, and he asked me some food. We were starving ourselves. We didn't have food. 
And I told him, let me find out if there is anything. I found some few seeds of groundnuts. And I got and packed in his pocket. And so when this guy went away, he decided to come back. And I, I saw him. I was not even scared. I remained standing still. And he told me, hey, sister, I've come back because you have been very kind to me. And I don't want to leave you in danger. And I didn't know what danger he was leaving me in. But he said, let me remove all the things I had put for you here. The guy had packed our oven with bullets. And I was about to start fire for cooking with the same oven. No way. Yes, he went on. I kept on looking at him removing the bullets from ashes from the oven. And he finished that. And he told me, he said, I had put some also in your floor for food. He was picking them all in front of me like this. And I looked. He said, sister, you have been very kind to me, and I don't want to leave you with any danger. That touched me so deeply. So I said, my God, that was a very little act of kindness to this man. And I looked at this man. I said, he is not an enemy. This man might have been forced into this. This might have been a child who grew up to do what he's doing now. So I just have to treat him kindly. And that kindness generated kindness for me. Wow. that That's kind of a sort of interesting story. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> how, how do you get it into your heart to see somebody that most everybody else would call your enemy as your friend? You know, or in as that your neighbor, difficult situation... You know? For a long time in that situation, when I was so helpless, when I was suffering, yet I was the leader of the group. You know, when you are a leader, you the burden weighs very heavily on you. And I was saying, these rebels will come in and they will ask for the leader of this group. These rebels will recognize me. Some of them might have known me before. So I developed a very, very poor prayer. I said, God... If I come in contact with any of the rebels one day, let them see your face in me that they may not hurt me. And let me also see your face in them that I may not hurt them. That was my prayer I would say every day. Wow. That's beautiful. That's amazing. I I love just thinking through beforehand what your response in a moment like that would be as a follower of Jesus. Yeah, Sister Rosemary, I, I love the way that you um, are, are so thoughtful about uh, how, the, how you can actually pragmatically, practically show love and kindness, and not, and not just in the moment when you, when you, like you said, feel helpless, but to actually prayerfully consider what it means to love someone who is your enemy. You know, like John Mark was saying, um, a great many of the people who listen to this podcast uh, have a radically different context, and ours is a very safe, very comfortable sort of paradigm. So if, if you are sitting with someone who, as a general rule, enjoys a tremendous amount of safety, to them, enemies are abstract. They're someone they see on the news. They're someone they see in a different country. They're someone who might harm them that they've never heard of. What encouragement would you give someone like that um, to do exactly what you've uh, been setting out to do, to prayerfully consider how to love an enemy and, and show them kindness? I think the only and simple thing I could tell anybody who is in that condition is to look at that person exactly as the image of Christ. 
Christ, as an image of God. And if you look at yourself, you will find you are actually reflecting the face of that person. And God is in you. And that's all, what has always guided me. I would say that person who I think is an enemy is actually the face of Christ. That's all. Wow. You know, I think there is such a tendency, I don't know if this is true in Uganda, but in America, to kind of categorize people as good or evil. And of course, we naturally categorize ourselves as the good guys. And I think Mm -hmm. it's it's reinforced by Hollywood. It's reinforced by kind of our cultural memory, whether it's true or not, of World War II. And kind of this idea of we're the good guys (laughs) and everybody else is the bad guys. And the only way to deal with bad guys or bad girls is to kill them or shoot them or whatever. And and I think that what you're saying is no behind every bad guy. In this case, most of us would agree, this is a bad guy. This is a Lord's resistance. I mean, they are doing really heinous, evil things. Um, But you're saying behind every face is a a man or woman made in the image of God with a story. And who knows how they got there. And just that simple act of kindness is building a bridge in your language to to yeah. reach out. <laughs> and you see, I've always tried to do something small to make people feel their, that God's image. Actually, another time I saw two laws assistants, I mean two men, walking in our compound in San Monica, and I looked at them through the window. They looked kind of weird. They were not the right people I would expect at that time. <laughs> I walked out and met them across the compound and asked them, I said, how can I help you? And they told me... Well, just, just, just I want to stop there. So, <laughs> yeah. I, just, I don't want to interrupt you, but if I saw two lords, if I saw two ISIS terrorists walking in front of my house, I don't think I would walk out of my own volition and say, how can I help you? I don't think that would be my first step, my first thought, even as a follower of Jesus. I think my first thought would be the basement. <laughs> I know. I didn't look at them really as dangerous. I looked at them like people who are going astray because mm. I wouldn't expect wow. anyone to come at that point or at that type, that, ki- that time on our compound. And at the same time, I knew people would not just go and ask them what they can help them. With. But I walked and asked them. And actually, these two guys wanted to escape from the LRA. They wanted to come home and they didn't know where to go to sleep that night. So they asked me, we were looking for accommodation. Now think of this. I was so torn into two and I didn't know what to do. Our sisters were there. The children were hiding. Night commuters were hiding. And I told them, I'm going to give you a room and wait for me there. I came to our house. I picked two pairs of bed sheets. I never told the sisters exactly why I went. I <laughs> because this bed. is dangerous, right? Because if it's found it's out that dangerous. you're harboring, I, I know. both sides know. would be really upset with you. I know. I made beds for them and I told them, use this room and tomorrow go out before morning so that the children will not see you. They will not get scared. I don't want anybody to know that you are here. These guys, I expected them to go maybe around six or seven. By seven, I went there to knock and find out if they went. They did not know how to open the door. They were locked in. My God. <laughs> <laughs> so I opened the door for them. I said, please go out as soon as possible. And they went away. They were happy. 
They got where to sleep. I didn't ask them exactly what they wanted, but they could not harm me because I did for them some little act of kindness. I gave them that kindness. Wow. And are you seeing more of these acts of kindness by followers of Jesus or not in Uganda? What's, what's happening right now in the aftermath of this civil war? I see a lot of people, actually. And for me, the people I learn from most are those who suffered, the young women who have been with me. There's one girl who has got a, a deep trauma. Actually, her face was all destroyed. She got caught in crossfire. Mike and others have met her some other times. And this girl one day shocked me with her response when I asked her about forgiveness. I asked her, I said, listen to me. I'm hearing everybody is telling us we should learn to forgive and especially forgive the rebels. What is your view? Because I knew this girl is one who suffered so much. But the response this girl gave me shocked me. She said, sister, I also want them to be forgiven because we want peace. This girl did not say, I want peace. She said, we want peace. Can you hear that? Yeah. That was very strange. So I learned... A lot also from these people who suffered so much and yet are ready to forgive. That means really God is touching people at different times and in different ways also. And how do you help people forgive? I mean, I think that's an interesting thing, even in our country, where we don't live under the threat of violence in the way that you do. Still, there's so much pain. And I even think about um, how common rape or sexual assault or Mm -hmm. abuse in the home has become in our own country. It's much more of an epidemic than people realize. And so we have so many men and women, but in particular women in our church that are living in the aftermath of some kind of sexual assault. And obviously without the kind of threat of violence that you're dealing with in Uganda, but still there's some similarity there. How in the world do you forgive after the violence has been done? How do Again, you forgive yes. rather than, you yeah. know, take up your weapon and go get vengeance? Yes. Again, this is not something you can teach. It is something you have to walk through. Wow. You have to accompany somebody to reach that level of forgiveness. You have to show them that this is the way. And in our case, imagine that we have to teach these girls to love the children they got from their captors. Imagine children who are got from sexual rape or violence, yes. women who have been sex slaves. But yet every time they look them. at their child, there's the living yeah. memory of what has been done to I them. I mean, these children are a stigma in their life, a stigma of pain. These children remind them of their servitude, their slavery. But we have to tell them they are innocent. We have to love them. How do we teach them this? by loving the children, by adopting these girls, adopting the children and say, we work together with you. Here is our open arms. We are accepting you and we are not thinking of your past. These children, whatever way, however they came to the world, they are innocent. They are the children created by God and they are a blessing. Wow, that's amazing. Sister Rosemary, you know, something that uh, I've been wondering here in these incredible stories is, when you're actually living this kind of thing out and when you've kind of accrued a collection of stories that uh, really uh, are, in, are incredible to hear, um, when you're processing that sort of thing and when you're looking back on these experiences that you've had, um, when you've actually had 
an occasion to love, actively love your enemy, to walk other people through forgiveness, to teach them to see the face of God in their enemies. What is that like for you as a follower of Jesus? What is that? Does that? What is that like for you to experience closeness uh, to God and to have solidarity with God? Is, have you found that that's enriched um, your relationship with the Father to share in uh, loving enemies the way that He does? You know, for me, all these things. First of all, looking back at them as a human being, you get scared later. You get scared after and say, "Did it happen?" really and then what gives me strength is actually thinking that god was in that situation in that past situation and god is still present now so i keep on encouraged getting encouraged and for me this has helped me to grow this has helped me to see god's hand in everything and this has given me my really time of growing in my faith and also so accepting myself to say, this is what God wants me to do at this time. I'm not thinking of tomorrow. I'm thinking of now. This is what God is calling me to do now. I have to continue on that. And it is a long journey. Sister Rosemary, it's an honor to have you on the yes, podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for your voice. Thank you even more importantly for your life. And uh, any closing thoughts before we wrap up that you would kind of drop off before we end our call. I want to thank you so much for getting me on this. And uh, I know there are a lot of people who are listening, and I always keep saying I am not exactly an expert to tell people about forgiveness or God's love and so forth, but there's only one thing which I keep on telling that let us look at everybody, especially those we think we cannot love, we look at them as God's image. And we may be losing a great opportunity of loving those people, of giving life to them, of mending their brokenness, of saying that we are here, we are present in their painful situation. And for me, every situation will need you, will need me. And that means Practicing our faith needs us to be present. We need to show God's love by being present in any situation. Thank you so much. So beautiful. Thank Thank you. you. It's an honor to have you on. We love you. We respect you. I can't wait to see you again in your country (laughs) or mine. Grace and peace to you, Sister Rosemary. Love you, and the next time we meet, let's not forget we need to have a bottle of Guinness. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> with some Coke, absolutely. Yeah, that's true. Thank you so much. All right. Keep praying for me too. Pray yes, for me. thank you. Thank you. Love to you. <laughs> bye. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.